Hello and welcome to the Own Your Role podcast. I'm your host, Dean Watt, and I'm your guide to exceptional leadership and dynamic culture in your business. Join me each week as we explore practical tips through fun and fascinating interviews with successful business owners who've mastered the art of leadership. Over the last 20 years as a keynote speaker, author, and high-performing team transformation specialist, I've been fascinated by what it takes to create a great culture and dedicated team members in a business. When leaders truly own their roles and empower their team members to do the same, a great culture is always the result. So whether you're on your couch or in your car, on a treadmill or hiking up a hill, get ready to be inspired and entertained as you learn exactly how to own your role. And welcome once again, everybody, to Own Your Role, the podcast that helps you really understand how to own your role in a better way as a leader, as a spouse, as a parent, anyway, in your life. We want to help people own their role more and really magnify your purpose and then ignite that passion within you. And today we have a very special guest, especially in the world that we're dealing with right now. I know many of you that I've talked to, the leaders that I coach, there's a huge challenge in the hiring the right people market, right? Whether it be quiet quitting or whatever new buzzword people want to come up with, there seems to be this struggle of finding good talent, talent that want to stay for the long haul and to really help increase our business and become raving fans. You know, I think in a lot of ways, sometimes no longer are the days where somebody joins a, a business or a company and they stay for the next 30 years. But there are still people out there who want good jobs with good pay, with a fun environment and make them feel like they're growing in their own life. And that's what we're going to learn about today. We're going to learn why our guest, Suman Cherry, has decided to open up a talent agency that she calls, or I said agency, that she calls a talent agency to help you find the right people. And we're going to dig into her story and more of her background. Before we get into that, remember, as always, thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends and your colleagues and uh, spreading the word about the Own Your Role podcast. We really do appreciate it because the only way that we grow is through your likes and your subscribes and you sharing it with your colleagues out there. But that being said, let's get started with the show. Suman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you because I love talking about hiring people. I don't know if you know this, but my second book was called Hire and Fire Like a Boss. Um, I have a fast rule that is, and it's not my role, I've heard it somewhere, but I've adopted it, which is uh, hire three times slowly and fire twice as fast because we need to make sure we get the right people in the right roles. Before we get into all of that, we always love starting off our show with your story. So we'd love to hear about your story of kind of where you come from, where you're, where you, why, how you got here doing what you're doing in the role that you're playing now. So um, about myself. So I've always been someone who just loves and is so interested in people. Like I'm a question asker. I love to ask people's questions, what their stories are, who are they? Um, And I've always been that, like this curious little kitty cat, always wanting to understand people, right? And sales was always like a natural place for me. You know, I I did get a degree in communications, public relations. So I've always been sort of on that side. In college, I worked in um, in weight loss sales. I worked at like a Jenny Craig for most of my nice. And that was all service based, you know, consultative sales. You know, and I was yeah. pretty young. You know, it was in my early twenties, but it kind of got me started in that understanding that again about understanding people. You know, I always had this like passion for it. And then as um, 
has evolved. I had a recruiter had reached out to me and about a position I was looking for. And I said, what do you do? He's like, I'm a recruiter. I'm like, well, I'm going to do what you do. I love what you do. He's like, okay. And then sure enough, how it all works out, right? I just kind of let that go. And then a couple of years later, one of my friends was working at a company and she said, hey, we've got this assistant recruiting role. Do you want to apply for it? And I was like, sure. And that's kind of how my story started. I, I got into it and it was just a really good match for me. Um, you know, it was challenging in the beginning, like anything else, but I got really comfortable with having conversations with people and understanding who they are. And on the other side, understanding who the client is and really becoming that matchmaker. Mm. So I worked in, you know, contingent recruiting for most of my career. I worked in uh, medical physicians, um, a lot of oil and gas. And um, now I've kind of moved into this more of a construction. I do a lot of construction. I do all, all types, but construction seems to be kind of my bread and butter right now. And I switched the whole model. So um, going from this contingent, and if you're familiar with how contingent works, to traditionally nope. recruiting. Yeah. So traditionally recruiting, you have a couple options. You have in-house. So mm -hmm. that could be an HR person or I'd be a recruiter or it's you're the owner and you're doing it all yourself mm -hmm. or someone else is doing it. And then you're not sleeping because right. you're like, have to do all this right yep. you're a growing entrepreneur or if you have the ability you're going out and hiring an external uh, recruiting firm which is the contingent model which there is no upfront fee but they charge you 20 to 25 percent of the first year salary which can be very cost prohibitive if you are a growing organization and there's also risk involved in that because typically those guarantees are six months to a year and what happens if and like you mentioned um, gone are the days are like my dad working for ExxonMobil for 40 years. Th that's not happening. Right. Right. And so and then there's not a lot of follow up after that. So, you know, you're hoping this candidate sticks. They stay that year and you're you know, you're not having to replace them. And then you're moving on the next thing. So right. I I kind of changed that model because during COVID, I had a client ask me if I would do some contract recruiting. I was like, OK, because it was kind of slow and things were kind of crazy then. Um, and so I loved it. I loved it. I loved doing it by the hour it was so much more intimate it was so much more communication it was just all about taking that time like you talked about like it is so important to take your time to find the right person and obviously it is also equally as important to let go people quickly because mm -hmm. it's if you bring the wrong person in oh yep. on multiple sides it's 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 terrible it is terrible for your organization because it affects the people that are there it affects your leadership it it, it has so many repercussions. So then I created this consulting model and this model has been so successful. Clients love it. It's very transparent. It's very authentic. Um, there's constant communication and the clock candidates love it. There's no ghosting. There's no pushing someone into a position. There is absolute transparency and authenticity. Mm, that's there's cool. no switch and bait. Hey, I've got a no, it's, I've got a position with this company. Are you interested? It's as simple as that. This is the specs. This is what we're looking for. Yes, no. And you're having these conversations and you're finding out the skills, but you're also understanding who this person is. We're taking the time to, who is this person? What's the stability at home? What's the situation? What are they really looking for? Um, what's Who are they as people, right? Like what values do they hold? Because the values of a person, they carry through in all areas of our life, you know? And so- if you're an organization that, and I, we work with companies that are very value driven. If mm. you're a company that really your value, your purpose, this alignment is so important that people are going to be equally as important. And those people need to have those values as well. 
So we created this model and it's just been really fun and wow. we love it. That's so great. So you mentioned a couple of things. I wrote some notes down here as you were talking that I wanted to touch on. First of all, I love that you call yourself a matchmaker because it really is recognizing that in a lot of ways, this is a marriage between two people, right? Like there's the having to communicate with one another. There's the being with each other for a very long time, even if you are uh, working remotely, right? There's, there's the connection there. There's so many matchmaking possibilities there. Is that something that you, how did you come up with that? I don't know. I just, I am a matchmaker. That's I'm a connector of people. I always have been, you know, not even in just in work. I'm just a connector with, even with my friendships and stuff. I'm always that's that connector. Awesome. You know, they yeah. say there's different kind of personality types, right? And that's me. I'm yep. the information person. I like love to read different things. I'm very open-minded. I like to understand yeah. different perspectives and I like to share that with other people. So I'm always like connecting people. And, and then I just translated that into a company that does that. That's awesome. I love that. And, and, and when you're doing that and you're living in that space of really working with your core competencies and your genius, it makes things so much easier. Let's talk about what's happening. Cause I want to, I want to back up before we get really into the details of, of what you do. Let's talk about the here we are in the end of almost the end of July, 2024. Are we in 24 yet? 23? Sorry. No, 23, I think so, right? Wow. Know, guess guess where Dino's brain is. 23. <laughs> We're coming to you from the future. So what is the marketplace right now in our world? Basically, America is where we're, we're focusing on, right? What's, what are, what are, some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing happening in the marketplace for hiring people? I mean, I think you have to shift back to what happened in COVID, right? I think people went home during COVID and they were living a very specific type of work environment. And they went home and they realized, oh my gosh, my mental health is important. My other parts of my life are important. Mm -hmm. it, and so you're seeing people, candidates, they want more. They mm -hmm. want a community. Like you said, they want a fun environment, the growth piece is important. They want to be the leaders that are not fear-based, where they're, you know, standing behind them and supporting them. And I think that's where you're seeing this challenge because I think you're seeing a, a lot of candidates have left the market and they're doing other things. You know, I know a lot of people that have moved away from other things and they're creating their own businesses and entrepreneurs and they're doing new stuff, you know, sure. because their passions are coming through, which is really positive. And then you also have quite a few candidates who um, who are just very particular now. They're very, very, very particular. If they're really good and they've been with the company for a good amount of time and they have those skills, especially if they're technical, plus they have the people skills, you know, that's mm -hmm. like the soft spot for everyone. They have all those. They can be picky. So they're not going to take something that's below their worth. They're asking for their worth. It used to be a situation where candidates were sort of wishy-washy about salary they were like no, 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 no not anymore they know what their value is and they expect to be paid that way so how do they determine that though because okay so i know we're living in a space you you say you do a lot in the construction space and right. a lot of the listeners of this show are in the medical field primarily private practices right your right. dentist your orthodontist your chiropractors right you know i think there are people who will I know this for a fact, there will people who will come in and say, well, I feel my worth is X, but how as the owner of that business, 
do you really quantify that? Because that's just based upon what they're saying because they have a certain skill set, but they might be a terror once you hire them. They might not want to be a part of the value system that you talked about. How do you how do how do they determine that? And how does the owner determine that? So I think the worth piece or the of the amount there is they talk to a lot of people. Candidates are having lots of conversations with multiple recruiters. They're talking to different companies. They're always out there looking. And they're also, there's a lot of information online. I don't know how accurate it always is, but they mm -hmm. do have a lot of information that's given to them. So they do have some idea. Um, as far as the worth, I mean, I think, I think the thing is, is that you as a candidate need to have a range, right? So, you know, when you're having conversations with owners, a lot of times owners do feel like a oh, position is worth X amount and typically is a little bit less than what the market is because they sure. haven't adjusted the market. And sometimes the candidates are a little bit more than what the market is. And I don't think there's ever a hundred percent way. I think the best way to approach that is you offer them based on what you feel like the worth is. And if, and you show them the value of the organization, what the growth looks like, what the leadership looks like, what it looks like in six months or a year, where the opportunities are. And a really good candidate who's motivated and hungry sees the value of an organization. Maybe it's not exactly what the amount they want, but they're going to be very aligned to taking that job as well. If you add the other benefits as well, besides that piece. Okay. So you said something just now that is really important. We need to stick on, hit on, which is if the candidate is motivated and hungry. Yeah. Now we've all heard, seen, I mean, I actually have been attacked online about this whole idea of should you, you know, I'm not going to do what's it called go above and beyond unless you're going to pay for above and beyond. Well, above and beyond to me is motivated and hungry. Like you want to do a little more, you want to learn, you want to grow. So for number one, for yourself, right? right. Now you got more skills that you can actually put in the marketplace, but number two, because then you're showing your value when it comes time for that raise or that increase, not just that we've been breathing the same air for the last 12 months. So therefore you get a raise, right? So right. how, how do you, as a great recruiter and as somebody who is that matchmaker, it's kind of like that person that, you know, let's just go real world matchmaking. I believe that if you have to claim you are something, then you're probably not like if a, if a guy comes in and is like, well, I am a very gentle and loving person. Well, you're probably, if you got to claim it and you can't show it, or a woman who says, I am a classy woman. Well, you're probably not if you're saying that you're classy, right? So how are yeah. you determining that as a matchmaker? So I think it's a lot of the questioning when you're having those conversations with mm. candidates. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I know when something is coming from ego. Oh, nice. Coming from more of a heart aligned place, I would say, you know, I don't know how you would define it. I'm a little woo woo with my spirituality. So, but I, I think that when you're having those conversations, you're asking about responsibility. So one of the things is you ask a lot of questions about, tell me about past mistakes. Tell me about past failures. When it, what happened there? Mm. And, and if it's, and it happens where you have a candidate who every single job, you're like, why have you had so much movement? And everything is someone else's fault and they don't take any accountability. And, but I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm worth this much. That's not a candidate we're going to move forward with. Even if all the skills are there and they check all the boxes, that's the accountability piece. And that's something you can't teach someone. Taking responsibility is, is, is an attribute that can't be, you know, taught. It's something that you either are or not. It's the same thing with humbleness. It's the same thing with hungry. It's the same thing with, do you have an abundant mindset? Are you have a growth mindset? Are you very scarcity based? Is everything fear based? So I think it's a lot in our questioning or having those questions 
because we can address that pretty quickly. And those pieces are very important for a company as well, because, you know, you can teach things to someone, but there are certain things you just can't teach. Yeah, for sure. And I can, I can usually teach skill, but it's real hard to teach motivation. It's hard to teach humility. Like you're saying, I love that you said that about the questions, because I think too often I've seen where people just get stuck in their same hiring questions, right. To make sure they can quote unquote, do the job, but not, and it's not, not going deeper like that. I have a question where I ask, um, tell me about a time where you were working on a project with other people and it turned out badly. What did you learn from that? And my cue is always if they're like, well, Brenda is an idiot and I should have learned that I should have done this alone. And I should have learned that these people didn't support me the way that I need to be supported. It's like, okay, red flag. Goodbye. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate that you say that. Cause I think, uh, like I said, I think a lot of times people get stuck in worried what they can and can't ask is a big deal. Well, yeah. Number two is really asking questions that help unveil who this person is. Right. Are there are there any other? I, I wrote down here, like you said. Um, yeah, I mean, any tips. Like, what are some other tips about that? So, some other tips we we, we identify is, um, you know, the responsibility piece is huge, and this there's this hungry piece, right, as well, like this motivated piece, like. What's so you know when you everyone asks that five year plan, but we really ask like what is the next step for you look like? If you were to close your eyes and you were to imagine it for me, what does that next step look like? And I have them describe that to me. Mm. And if they're like, I don't know, I just I, it's really just about money, and it's just I just you know I'm just I'm not really unhappy with my job. It's just I, I'm not making enough. To me, that's a red flag. There's yes. a, not a deeper motivation. And 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 honestly. I've challenged candidates, which sometimes I get hung up on. It's happened, you know, and I challenge a candidate and I say, it's not just about money. So tell me what it really is because the pain is never just about money. And right. they don't want to tell you what really is. Is it affecting your life? Because the thing is, is that your job affects everything. It affects you. If you have an environment that's toxic and you don't feel like your worth is being measured and you feel burned out and you feel like there's not good leadership, who do you think is taking the brunt of that? That is your wife. That is your children. That is your husband. That is Amen. your physical health, your mental health. That is you not going to the gym. That is you not, you grabbing fast food on the way home. All And I know all this because I've lived this, you know? Yeah, no, totally. You know, and then being on the other side of it, it's like when, when we talk to a candidate that is, that is the right match, it is obvious that they are because- mm -hmm. There is just isn't the red flags and it might take time. Like you said, I mean, mm. we don't want to submit candidates that don't fit that type of place. And we'll have honest conversation with our clients too. Like we also hold our candidates accountable. Like we'll ask them, Hey, we really need you to revise your resume. I'm not going to revise it. I know contingent recruiters do that, but I'm not going to touch that. That's not something I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need you to revise your resume. And can you get this to me by XXX? Yes. Okay, great. And if that hasn't happened, you give them a warning and they still don't do it. We need to move on because they're not really that hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can't comply with one thing you asked, how are they going to do that with the, the owner? I want to know, you just mentioned time. Okay. So this mm -hmm. is a big, I have a big pet peeve with this. So you're going to forgive me if I'm way off base, but you got companies like um, the Ramsey corporation, right? Dave Ramsey, they do like 12, 13, 14 interviews. And Dave says, the more you let people talk, the more you let them know, I, I, they let more, they tell you who they are. Right. So their whole thing is they meet with multiple, I actually have a really good friend who just got hired with them and it took a lot of interviews. Right. And then you've got the other extreme where it's like, they show up on time, 
for the interview. So we're desperate to put somebody in that spot. So let's just put them in there. Obviously, huge spectrum. Is there for you a good kind of sweet spot for how many interviews and how much time it should take? And I know you're also dealing with a, a, a recruiting situation. There's going to be more time there. But for your average employer, what are you thinking for time-wise? I mean, I think it depends on the position, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things is I think the, the position itself, like how crucial, how involved, how important is this position? Like how much involvement are they into every part of it? If they're involved in your business, as far as they're involved with your clients, they have access to like sh shaping your company, you need to have minimum three, four interviews. And yeah. whether, whether that looks like initial phone interview, where you're just kind of feeling out the right. energy and kind of having that co initial conversation, and bringing them in for a face-to-face, -face, like a shorter kind of interview, like a 45-minute interview, 30-minute interview. And then the next interview would probably be, and if it's a business development role or if it's somewhere where they're interacting, I would take them out in public. Like I would take them to a public place and have lunch with them. See, how do they, what are their table manners like? If they're going to be out with potential clients and those types of things, you need to know sort of are they professional in that environment as well, right? So I would say three interviews at the minimum. I mean, obviously most of my clients on average we do with us handling again, because we do two interviews. We do, my assistant does an initial interview where she kind of does the preliminary stuff. I do a deep, deep dive mm -hmm. into them, which takes hour, hour and a half. We do a formal um, submission over. Then, you know, we are also treat, you know, setting information back to them. We're calling back and forth any questions they have. The client like, hey, I have a question. What's what's the deal with this? Why they leave this? And we're getting those questions addressed. Then we're having another conversation with the candidate again before they interview and afterwards. Right. So, you know, we're we're spending a lot of time. You're doing a lot of pre-interviews before oh, yeah. the interviews happen, right? So when you're bringing a candidate to a potential uh, owner or company, they know they've already had some work done. Yeah, and pre-screening. Yeah, I mean, they we they know. Like, I mean, we have a very accurate conversation with them. This was the conversation. This is how conversation flowed. This is, you know, kind of scoring on humbleness. We kind of try to score it a little bit too and give them some idea as well. Nice. You know, this is where the motivation is, where the humbleness, this is why they're leaving. This is why the movement, this is their family situation. And we really try to understand who our candidate is. Um, and we present that over to our clients. So our clients are a pretty good snapshot and they trust us. Because we do such a deep dive, I and mean, we're, yeah. we're not just sticking a can against a wall. It doesn't benefit anyone, right? And we're constantly in communication with our clients as well. So when they go in front of them, there is already been a lot of conversations about them. So the interview process does get narrowed down, usually typically to two interviews. Um, uh, that gives me a kind of a thought of, for those of you that are listening to the show, and you don't have a recruiter between you and that client, I wonder if it wouldn't be worth it to have some sort of uh, prep calls that aren't necessarily, quote, interviews, right? Because I'm a fan of, I actually had a, a TikTok video a while ago, kind of go a little uh, viral because I said, don't hire anybody unless you've done at least six interviews. Now, three of the interviews are Zoom, quick, you know, just to make sure you want the job, just so you understand what the job entails. And then we'll dive into your skills and all that other stuff, right? It's it, the first three are really weeding processes because the people would be like, oh, like we have time for six interviews and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get that, but understand I'm not wasting your time. So we're not wasting our time either. Right. Um, so I wonder though, if people who are listening wouldn't look at the first, maybe two phone calls as a phone call from 
someone in your office, someone in your organization that can be that filter person like, hey, so did you want to like, uh, can you explain this a little bit more? This isn't a full interview, but maybe you want to flesh this out or we weren't able to get a hold of this person who you said you worked with or whatever. Like that way, maybe prep them a little bit more. I wonder if that wouldn't be something to dive into a little bit more later on. I think also it would be beneficial. One of the things we approach it is when I'm talking to a candidate, I'm like, I tell them about the client first. I'm like, here's the client. Here's very specifically what the role is. This is the environment. Yeah. They expect this many hours a week. This is, it is a fast paced environment. I mean, I'm very upfront, right? So I'm like, this is what it is. And then they are like, I'm like, I want you to think about it. Yeah. I want you to think about it. Like, this is what the role is. And is this going to be a good match? And so if they're kind of hesitant or like, why? And I'm like, great, think about it. So a lot of times I approach it from that place. If if it's a situation where I'm like, I want to make sure they understand what the role is. I want to make sure they understand what the company is, what the requirements are before we even dive into the next steps. And that's, and that's brilliant because uh, man, think about that. If you did that in your own company, when you don't have a recruiter, if you just have some sort of, here's the best way to possibly get this job you need to know X, Y, and Z. We want to, you know, we every company out there wants to find the best person. I remember when I used to work in LA years and years and years ago in Hollywood, one of the things that a lot of the casting directors would pound in, on is, we want you to be the right person when you walk in the room. We want you to be the character, the actor, whatever, so we can have our job done and we can look good. I think it's the same thing as most owners. They want you to be that person. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you said about the values-based company. Um, and I love that you work primarily with value-based companies. I believe that there should be no other type of company but a values-based company because whether it be Chick-fil-A or whether it be you know Disney or any of these major companies, they should have some sort of values because my opinion is people would actually, in a lot of cases, choose values over money, although they want to get paid. A lot of people are like, oh, we only call five people who want to, you know, be paid crazy amounts of money or blah, blah, blah. And I think if you are really clear on your values, you will attract the right people who, yes, you want to still pay them a fair wage. And I know a lot of people who work for charities, work for nonprofits, who work for companies that they are not getting paid a ton of money, but they believe in the cause. So when you come up against somebody who is you know, that right fit person, if it's not the amount that they're thinking, is there a process you take them through to like help them see, but this is more based upon your values. So the value, the, the money is in the value of the program or the company, not necessarily the actual paycheck. Yeah. I mean, I had, I've had some situations like this actually recently, I had a candidate who um, wanted, you know, was at a company and it wasn't, didn't align to her schedule and her family life. It wasn't a bad company. There was a lot of growth yeah. But she was being paid well because it was a smaller company. So they were relying on her for a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So the transition to the other company was a little bit less. It was about equal, right? It was just a, maybe a little bit tiny of a bump. So there was a little bit of that conversation. And she's like, well, I don't know, da, 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 blah, blah. So she was like, and I said to her, I said, why don't you like working there? What is it? What's the pain? And she just went through it. And I said, well, that's not what this is. This is the opposite of this. And I know it's scary and all those types of things, but you've been here an X amount of time and you've dealt with this and that is it. I, re I just re reminded her of all the pain that she had said about her manager and the fear base and, you know, making her feel bad if she has to go pick up her child. Or, I mean, there's a lot of things when you're a single mom, you have a lot of responsibilities and 
And that's where the values piece, because if you're mm-hmm. a company that has compassion and understanding that people are have lives, right? You're going to have compassion in that situation. But in the company that she's taking or she's taken has that compassion, right? They they are, I mean, they do have responsibilities and accountability to their people, but they also understand people have families and kids get sick and things pop up and you might have a dentist appointment and they're okay with that. And so, yeah, she ended up taking the other job um, with us. I mean, it wasn't even really more money, you know, mm-hmm. it was just a little bit more, but it was a better opportunity for her. And it was That's a better awesome. culture for her where she could feel like, she was part of something where people she care. She valued and she, yeah, yeah, right. No, I think that's, I think that's so important. And for people, that's why I talk to business owners all the time about you have got to have your values front and center. You've got to have your vision. You got to have your core values because that's attractive to people and you will attract the people who are go, you know what? I'll take the dollar less or the $2 less an hour because you care about me as a person. You care about my growth. You care about me being a mom or needing to be with my kids or whatever that might be. Um, let's talk about when it doesn't work out. Like you do a lot of work to get these people making sure it's the the right match, right? Not right. all matchmakers have a hundred percent, you know. On it. We have, and we and we it's happened. You know, we've yeah. um, we've had great candidates who you know interviewed went through the whole process and. I thought there was going to be a marriage and then there wasn't, you know, I had actually had a recently had a situation where we had a fantastic candidate. We all loved him. The client loved him. We had worked on the position for a while um, and he ended up getting a counter offer and it was significantly higher than what mm. my, our company, you know, the company had, had presented. And, you know, the conversation was with him is, you know, I was upfront with him. I was like, you know, you know, I did, I try not to be too salesy because it's not contingent, right? I'm consulting. I don't want to force someone to a position, but I like to be honest. Right. In my experience of 20 years of recruiting, when you take a counter offer, it doesn't really play out for you very well because you put your company in a situation where you sort of like, you kind of force them into it. They didn't want to do it. Yeah. They could have done that. They didn't show their appreciation then. And usually whatever the real issue is that the company comes back up. So I had that conversation, but he decided to move forward. And my client was very understanding about it. It was disappointing. My client was disappointed. But in the end, it was really interesting because everything always works out. So we ended the we ended the position and we said, okay, well, we'll work on it again. He's like, I'm gonna take a break, whatever. Well, I was working another position, another candidate pops up, not even just happened to show up for another kid, and he happens to be a perfect match for my client. And that's the thing. I just called my client up and I said, Hey, guess what I have for you? And then they hired him and it all worked out. And so it always works out. I mean, there's, it's an abundant mindset, right? Things yeah. are just like opening doors and it is disappointing, but there always will be a reason. And in my experience, it always is the reason too. There so do, are. do candidates seek you out ever? Or are you always seeking out the candidates? Seek me as well. If we post positions and they reach out to us or they might see me on LinkedIn or whatever, or they get referred from another client uh, or another candidate. But typically we do a lot of passive recruiting as well. We're connecting with people. We're having conversations. Again, it's a lot of transparency in those conversations. We're not doing the cloak and dagger like, hey, I've got, I might have a position. No, it's like, this is the company. Are you interested? I know you know who they are. Take a look. Let me know what you think. Like, we're treating people like adults, right, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. Right. So when you engage with a company, who's your like ideal client that you engage with, that you're looking for to be, to, to work with? 
Um, we're looking for companies that are growing. Obviously, you know, I'm not against huge organizations. It's not something that's worked. We haven't really done in the model yet. We typically have been working with companies under 500 people who have either no um, HR or very small HR. So what's happening is the owner is, or the, you know, the directors are having to do all of it themselves. They're having to do the sourcing. They're having to post everything. Maybe they have an HR person that kind of sorting it through. Um, it's a very small amount. It's companies that are growing. It's companies that are evolving. Companies that are really open to, they are tired of the same candidates that keep being presented over and over. And the referrals that keep, it's an, like, there's no, um, it's an, a limited, right? It's very limited, right? So when you work with someone like us or you work with external recruiters, if you ever work with them, that expands it. You know, it expands your window, it increases your net. And sure. so you have more options. And also yeah. what we do is we look at candidates and maybe they have three out of the four, three out of the five things, but they have such a great personality. We can tell they're so hungry. We can tell them they're, we can tell that they're, they're ready for the next step. We can tell that they're trainable. We still present those candidates as well. So those are our ideal candidates, clients, and clients that are very value-driven. They care about their people. We have to work with companies that actually really care. The leaders are not fear-based. The leaders are very much motivational, inspiring. They want their people to succeed. It's not this, you know, brow beating thing because nobody wants to work in that environment anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone's over that, you know? Um, and this kind of good old boy club thing, no one wants that either. You know, people want to work in an organization. Everyone has different, different political beliefs and all those kind of things. And it's okay to have conflict, but it needs to be healthy, right? Yeah. It, it, Nobody wants to work with these toxic, super, you know, they always talk about this. There's the worst type of people you could have an organization is companies that keep those high achievers, but they're like cancers for the organization right. too. Yep. Because they just all the time. down. They complain yep. and their 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 egos are so out of control. They're emotionally reactive. They don't know how to be responsive. They don't, and that's the difference too. Come people, I, I want to work with companies where leaders are open to real conversations as well. When I can call them out, like you know, you lowballed them. That was yeah. your fault. Yeah. And we can do that again, like in a yeah. nice way, right? Yeah. I want to work with clients that trust me. Like when I present a candidate over to you, there's a reason I'm presenting it over to you. Right. If you don't like them, that's okay. Give me the feedback. But I, I, I want to work with companies that have values, like you said, but values, not just because we put a sticker on our break room. We live right. those values. That's right. who we really are. That's so you know? true. It's like, <laughs> oh, we did this so one mission exercise this one time at this one seminar and therefore we're values kind of like no no oh, you, you like talk that. about it all the time is it is it posted everywhere do you <laughs> does the whole company know what it is i when i go out to offices i'll typically send out a survey ahead of time that's a blind survey to the team and i'll one of the questions i ask is without looking could you name all of your company core values and 99 of the time it's like nope and they're making up stuff. Well, I think a core value would be honesty, whatever, but nothing that is, no, our core values are X, Y, Z. Right. And uh, I think it's, it's such a disservice to them. Wow. What, as we're winding down here, what, what are some of the biggest uh, challenges or actually I would even say attractors that companies should be aware of right now in order to recruit or find the right people? Putting their well, values out there. We talked about that. What else? Yeah, I mean, your job description is really important. Like one of the uh, things that we do is we spend so much time on the job description. Like, so we help our clients write the job description because their job descriptions are like, sometimes they'll send us a job description. It'll be like 10 pages long. I'm like, 
nobody's going to freaking read this. Like right. who's going to read this? Yes. Are you kidding me? So we take the time and, and there's something about the company. Like we go in, we dissect the company. We go on their website. We're asking them questions. We're creating a whole narrative, right? Yes. We want to brand you as an organization. Yes. Like, who are you? What makes you unique? What makes you special? And really, what are the essential? We don't need all the fluff. What do you really need? What are the essential pieces of this position that you need? Really, right? And where's the flexibility with that? So that's the number one thing. You got to take time to work on that job description. And Is that fascinating? It's, I'm just going to say this here because I think it's fascinating. Sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, would you apply for this job? And what makes you any different than the 30 other ones that say the exact same thing? The only thing different that you're trying to do is maybe with your, your salary. Other than that, it's ridiculous. I think they're the worst. I mean, it's, it's like on the candidate side, it's the same thing. It's like, why do you have typos in your resume? Why are you not opening it? It's the same thing. Like, this is your calling card. This is your business. Yes. So as a company, um, yeah, your your job description needs to be like really good. It needs to be posted well. It needs to be readable. It needs the font needs to be right. I mean, it needs to look good. Well, and one of the things that I say is this, especially when you're in any type of big city with a big company around you, like you literally have to make yourself look better than the Amazon or the whatever, ah. right? You, you got to you cannot compete benefits wise. So you got to compete culture values wise. Yeah. Growth or whatever it is, or whoever, whatever makes you guys, you as a company, unique. unique, right? So that is number one. And you need to have your onboarding because the one thing that is the worst part is you spend all this time finding this great candidate and you have no onboarding. And the person's just thrown into this fire and they're like, what the heck do I do? And it's like, and and the company will be like, well, they're not doing good. You did not even prepare this. You didn't even set this up. You didn't take them out to lunch. You didn't have any trainings for them. You didn't even go through and or ROI, you know, and tell them what their options are as far as growth. I mean, you need to get to know your people. They don't know you, right? Yes. You need to get to know those people onboarding. It's an investment. Oh, that can't make I have a question about that then. Do is there like a gossip trail about bad companies that do bad onboarding. So like because of LinkedIn, do people go up and I haven't seen this. I haven't so I wonder seen anything about the, I mean, I see it on the recruiting side all the time. Yeah. Like oh, these people are yeah. terrible and blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. yeah. I hate recruiters. It goes yeah. everywhere. Hate right. them. You know, uh, people, really, people really hate us, you know? Yeah. Like, like, Interesting. You know, because it, because recruiters do ghost. And it's not yeah. really usually their fault. The clients see the thing is when you are working on a contingent, there's no accountability. There's no risk. The client doesn't have a buy-in. But right. when they're working hourly with us, yep. believe me when I tell you, there is a buy-in. They are they are communicating with you. They are giving you feedback. And the candidates love it. People pay attention to that. that which they pay for. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So um, another piece is, is the interview itself, right? When you're interviewing candidates, you need to understand as a company that if you have someone who's never hasn't has been at a job for 10 or 15 years, they haven't interviewed in 15 years. Yeah. They might be nervous. They might be scared. They might be timid. That doesn't mean that's who they are. Right. You know, it could be a situation like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm all about the regulated nervousness. I'm all about regulation, nervous system, safety, all that kind of thing. And as a leader of a group, your job is to help people feel safe, safe, to be them. So, you know, I um, have, I'm certified in NLP, neuro linguistic, you know, I'm all into subconscious yep. and all that. Nice. So I, um, 
I'm always trying to teach my clients, like, if you're, if it's, a, if it's a candidate coming in, they're an introvert, like, and you have a big personality, we need to tone that down so they can feel safe. And I do that with candidates as well, or clients, because I have a pretty so big personality. Smart. But sometimes, you know, if someone has a more a quieter personality, I kind of tone that down because I want mm -hmm. them to create that safety. So when you're having that interview process and give them time to answer. Yeah. Like, like I have had candidates or clients say, well, they didn't interview well. They didn't know the answer. Well, give them time. To yeah. It, that's a really great point. Because as a, we expect our candidates to be able to conform to what we're doing. And we really right. need to look at that as we need to conform to who they are so we can get the best out of them. Because so if you're that authentic self, yes, so you see who they are behind the veil. Because what yes. you want to see from your candidate, who is it? We all have the mask, right? Yes. We all have the yes. professional mask. Of course. But who am I? Yep. Who are the person really behind yep. the mask? And that's when you'll see it. Are they positive? Are they abundant mindset? Are they hungry? Are they someone who's like, passionate and fun and sees challenges expansion because that's what you want right? yes you want kind of candidates yes you want that person who's going to become a raving fan somebody yes. who's going to want to be who's gonna whether they are or not who wants to be with you for the next 30 years yes right who Absolutely. can see themselves learning from you and growing and you know everybody wants security everybody wants to feel like they don't have to you know feel threatened around their future. And that's what jobs do. That's what careers do. And the ability to grow and learn. And yeah, I, I think everything you said is just so great. I love it. How can people uh, find out more about you? I know you're on LinkedIn and all that, but what's the best way for them to reach out? CherryTalentGroup.com, my website. There's a, there's a, um, you know, page you can contact me and, you know, I'm offering like 30 minute consultations. So if you're a candidate and you want nice. some advice on resume or you want some advice on how do I really get out there and start posting? How do I network myself? How do I, how do I make my LinkedIn page look nice? Cause that's very important by the way. Yeah. Um, and if you're a client on the other side and you're curious about how this would work and you know, when I'm talking to potential clients, I mean, I know it's new. It's not like they've never used this model. Like I've never heard anything that they're saying like, this is so different. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, because it's great if you're a smaller company, like even if you're just a small company and you have less than five people and you're like, you know what, I need to hire an assistant. I need to hire whatever else, whatever the position is, you know, it's not going to cost you $20,000. It's going to cost you a fraction of that cost. And you're going to get so much from that. We're going to handle everything for you. That's you're amazing. Well, I'm a huge fan of the, <laughs> the book, Who Not How is my favorite, is one of my favorite books. Number one, because I have to learn it myself, right? It's uh, if I'm asking myself, how am I going to figure this out? Instead, going, who can do that for me? You're an incredible who, right? So, people who are listening, owners are listening to this, and even potential candidates are listening. Finding the right who's in your life instead of figuring out how can I figure this out, how can I find the right person, how can I? No, who can do this for me? And what you've done is you've set yourself up with the Cherry Talent Group as being an amazing who for people instead of them having to figure out how to get it done. And that's Absolutely. that's a really sweet spot to be. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's been it's been fun. You know, it's new and it's exciting and it's interesting to to come out there and bring something new to the market, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as we always do to end the show, we always wrap up with four questions around your role, R O L E in your business. Uh, are you willing to play? 
absolutely. Let's go. Awesome. So what do you feel is the high is your highest and greatest responsibility on earth? Wow. In, in, in life. Itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To create from within and not to put my pain out in the world. Mm, that's a good one. So people are slapping their pain around everybody else. No, to heal, you know, <laughs> to not take the past wounds, the past traumas, all the things that have happened yeah. and project them back out in our world. We that all got, we all got stuff. Yeah. So true. All right. What do you want as the ultimate outcome for your life? Unlimited. Unlimited everything, unlimited freedom, unlimited abundance, unlimited joy, unlimited compassion, love, all of it. Nice. Love it. What do you consider true leadership to be? I think true true leadership is someone who stands beside behind their people and Mm. supports them, lifts Mm. them up when they fall, encourages them, sees their strengths, doesn't focus on the negative, but plays on the strengths. And it's, it inspires them, inspires them to be more and sees who they can be and help them to get to that place. Mm, I love that. I love that. So true. All right. Uh, unfortunately, every single one of us will not get out of this life alive. And there'll be a day where this experience will end. So speaking of experiences between now and dead, what experience do you hope to or want to have? In your life. I really, 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 really want to um, have vacation homes all over the world and travel all to oh. all these different places all over the world. I want to travel to the most unique places, you know, like once, and I don't know about my business or not, but I want to be able to travel. I want that freedom of, of just being able to witness and talk to new people and curiosity and learn different cultures and maybe live in another country. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but Wow. That's awesome. Sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. I love to travel. Well, thank you so much, Suman, for being here and for sharing your your light and your intelligence with us. And it's so needed to have an advocate in the world for both the recruiter or not the recruiter, sorry, the candidate and the company. And the insights you gave us were really, really important. I don't care what the size of the business is. Everyone can take away some really great tips and ideas from you from this episode. So thank you for sharing with us. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's a fun, fun interview. Well, everyone, please reach out to uh, Suman at cherrytalentgroup.com. Get that 30 minute. I mean, gosh, she just gave you 30 minutes of her time to just find out whether you're a candidate, how you can best prepare yourself and get ready to be seen in the best light, or whether you're a company to find out what is this all consultation about? How can you have somebody who's on your side helping you get the best candidates for your business. Um, For me, this is always a great joy to be able to meet new people and connect with people, find out how I can grow in my own business as well. So thank you for being here as a part of our show and being a part of the audience there. Remember, subscribe and like to the show and share it with your friends. And until next time, remember, our goal is always to help you magnify your purpose and then ignite your passion. We'll see you on the next show. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Own Your Role podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're alerted for every new episode we release. And don't forget to write us a review and let us know how we're doing. 
You can also follow me on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all the social medias. Just search at Dino Watt. And if you'd like me to come and help your team or audience learn to own their role in person, make sure you go to DinoWatt.com for more details. I'll see you on the next episode.